with bleeding ears, we crunch up praise song <laughs> and talk about kicking the dog consoling his child to a friend who says he's gay thanks for tuning in to table talk radio a radio show that confesses christ without confusing the law and the gospel a radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously you're listening to table talk radio i, I like how he ran in the room thinking that you accidentally articulated baptism incorrectly. Like, wait a minute. You're mistaken. He said to me, he said, you sound like a heretic. Right. Yeah. It wasn't like, boy, they must be playing a game where they're articulating someone else's belief. It was, I think Pastor Wolfmiller is off his rocker. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little bit disturbed that you think that I would actually teach that about baptism. And it's so, 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 so deserved to be crunched. I mean, mega crunch. So, uh, you guys put some mega, mega crunch. crunch on the song. That would be awesome. <laughs> Keep uh, preaching the word. Passes. Keep it mediocre. Mediocre and hilarious. The lobotomy of podcasts. This is Table hey. Talk Radio. And I am That's Pastor word. Evan Gigline. And I'm here with Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. And we lobotomy. are here. <laughs> being examples Seems of like such. I used to know what that meant. <laughs> you, can, lobotomy. you can Google it. Hey, you know what today is? Uh, today is the Monday after the fourth Sunday in Lent. Dang. It's also April 1st, which means not I, it's April Fool's Day, so that's a day we're supposed to think about the atheists, you know. Uh-huh. But it's also the first of the month, which means it's the day that we give away a free book to a Wednesday Whatnot subscriber. You know, I'll have to go into the Table Talk Radio archives because I had forgotten that we did that on April 1st. Talked about the atheist stuff? <laughs> no, gave, gave away a book. No, no, Wednesday Whatnot. <laughs> Remember that thing that you pretend like you're not subscribed to, but you check it like five times every day? You found out that I'm your only fan? <laughs> that was great. Wait, I this loved is, that this is particular re- This incident. is really popular. Oh, it's just Evan clicking on things. <laughs> he loves it. He opens it like five times a night. <laughs> now, So what's the book I have, you're giving away? Uh, whatever the people want from the around uh, the word bookstore, so they can really? have like Luther's commentary on Genesis. What's the they can most have a copy of my expensive book, item? The most expensive is this Doctrine of the Evangelical Church by Heinrich Schmid. Oh, this book! This you remember the Golden Ticket book? This book is so great. Uh, Seven hundred pages of. Pure hey, you sent that to me. Thank gold. you, by the way. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, well, you're welcome. Have you read it through uh, yet? I was front to back. Gonna maybe do some uh, page for points or something, but. Yeah, we did should you, do that now. Did you already do that with that book? Page uh, for points? Yep. Yeah, remember that's when we were talking about the providence of God? Yeah, that do, incredible section about the three parts of the providence of God? That was amazing. That 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 you know what that pages for points when we were playing that the other day? That spawned like three blog posts, two monologues on radio shows, and a bunch <laughs> of more research for that for that debate that I had with the atheist on YouTube. Just from, like, looking at that page, it that was a little spark that started a bit of a forest fire in my imagination over here. I think it's funny how you're, I mean, you're, you're a one idea with many streams. So if, if you if you track, like, if there is a reality show following Pastor Wolfmiller, you'd, you'd see him in his office and he's reading something, and he'd be like, Ah, amazing. And then you'd hear it not only in the sermon on Sunday, but in Bible class, and you'd hear it on the radio, you know, and then you'd hear it on the podcast, and you'd be hearing it on the uh, YouTube. Yeah. 
Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's so you're you're like so you're you you come to hope and you listen to the sermon. You're like, okay. Then you go to Bible classes. Oh, a little bit more. Then you watch the Sunday drive home. You're like, oh, that's something. And then you watch the cross defense. You're like, oh, that's a monologue. <laughs> yeah, that's and then right. and then you're the thing about table talk is it's out of order. Like because I'm talking about what I'm thinking about now, but it doesn't you know show up. See, to we like do that on purpose. Later. We do that on purpose so that people kind of forget the things that you talked about because they they've been hearing it for you know a few weeks. And then it'll come out again, like, oh yeah, that's amazing. Oh yeah, it's new, it's, it's, it's fresh. It's 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 you know, the person you know that catches on to the joke a little late, like what? Oh, now I get it. That's what Table Talk Radio is to the theological thinker. It's uh, what? Oh, now I get it. <laughs> that's like it hits you later. So I'm exporting the two hundred two and a half. Wait. How many people are there? Two and a half thousand subscribers to the Wednesday Whatnot? So if you're listening to this, but you're not subscribed to the Wednesday Whatnot, you're missing the best stuff. Now, be, be warned. Evan loves it. If you, <laughs> if you click on it, you, you're being, you're being uh, what, researched? You're being... Monitored. Oh, yeah. I mean, Pastor Wilson is tracking I'm, I'm, I'm your like every move. Facebook. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm like, he knows I'm what like websites Facebook you like. And the, and the CIA combined. I'm tracking what you click on and everything. He'll know your favorite color, where you like to eat, <laughs> what you dream you know about. What I have a bad conscience about something to do with that, and that is that you know how we do the YouTube videos? By we, I mean I do the YouTube videos. And yes. you know that 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 30, maybe 26% of viewing on YouTube, did we talk about this already, is the videos that people want to watch. They click on to watch that video, and then the other 75, 70% are the suggested videos. So you get sucked into the YouTube trap, and then like an hour later, you're like, what have I been doing watching these guys from Australia drop a Thor hammer through bulletproof glass for 20 minutes? It's what it's what I'm wasting my time. But I keep sending people there. Huh. Well, we need oh, to probably know. get on with it. So, what are what's your buzzword for today? Oh, I should. I had my buzzword was going to be epitome, but I'm thinking about making it atheist. Let's call it epitome. Okay. Epitome. Epitome means summary. That's all it means. To epitomize something means to summarize something. And the, but the reason why it comes up is because we have a document in our book of Concord called the Epitome, which is the summary of the of the solid declaration of the formula of Concord. So, in in 1577, Luther's been dead for about 30 years. There's all these fights in the Lutheran Church, so the theologians get together and say, let's settle it. So they they, ta- they write 12 articles settling the various different disputes, and that's called the Formula of Concord. And But then they had it was long, a bit, a bit heady, so they did an epitome of it, and that became the summary of the Formula of Concord, which is a really nice thing to study. We're doing that for our theology on tap, studying through the epitome. It's kind of nice. Um, do you consider the epitome a document in and of itself, or do you see the Formula of Concord as a document, and then there's the epitome and the solid declaration? Mm. I don't know. <laughs> I've never been. I don't know if anybody's ever put me on the spot like that before. Well, we need to. We need to correctly enumerate the uh, the documents of the Book of Concord. So anyway. I think there's ten of them, right? If there's well, ten of them, that's does the that thing. Mean- so okay, so let's do this. So then, the, do you have the creeds as one, or is the no creeds as independent documents? Okay, so. Uh, three creeds. Three creeds, one, two, three. Augsburg Confession and Apology, four, five. The Catechisms, small and large, six, seven. The Small Called Articles, eight. The the Treatise on the Power and Primacy of the Pope. Well, nine. so, oh, I guess that's... See? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's got to stand alone because that's its different author, nine. And so then the Formula of Concord would then be one. Yeah, that's ten. And then, and then it could be 
either the full thing or the summary version, but they're together as one document. I, th- I guess that's how it goes. Well, I'm glad that we got that straightened out. That is important to And also, down. that's intriguing radio right there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Everyone's like, Probably people are rewinding so it to make sure they the, got it again. The, the numeration of the documents. That was exciting. They All woke right, up this my... morning and they're like, I wonder how many... Do- I wonder if the epitome counts as... It's hard questions. That's a lot of questions. My theological buzzword for you comes from the fascinating website of tabletalkradio.org. You know there's this buzzwords tab on that website where you have all kinds of theological words. And uh, Website brought to you by would, Drupal. It would be interesting to see which... Uh, words have been entered by you, and which ones have been entered by me. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you my buzzword for today, and you guess whether it was one that you had picked before or one that I had picked before. All right, okay. the buzzword is Nimrod. <laughs> That's me, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's my kind of buzzword. Nimrod, right there. the mighty hunter. That's uh, Genesis chapter ten, the offspring of Noah. Also in Micah five, I have to look at Micah five. Is do you know that? Do you know how uh, Nimrod comes up in Micah 5? No, because I don't know. Was he, that's, he was like an established Babylon or something? See, that's that's the kind of wisdom you get when you access tabletalkradio.org. I mean, wow. it's, it's wisdom that not even the hosts can contain. I don't even know how to find Micah in the Bible, <laughs> much less. I'm waiting for my software to load. That's, <laughs> that's how I find so it. So I, I, I actually accidentally stumbled on Fisk's live stream on his Bible study this morning, and it was on Genesis chapter 10, talking about Nimrod, the mighty hunter. All right, here's here's uh, Micah 5. It says, uh, They will shepherd the land of Assyria with a sword, the land of Nimrod at its entrances, and he will deliver us from, his, from the Assyrian when he attacks our land, when he tramples our territory. Wow. It's amazing to think about those old days when those guys, I mean, every family is its own little country. You know, and every every man is a prince and a and a farmer and an engineer and a city builder and a king. It's wild. Yeah. Well, so we have a little bit of leftovers from last week to do. We have a a, a pray song yet to crunch, and we just have a minute left in this segment. So, uh, do you want to give us the quick and easy version of what the pray song cruncher is all about, and then we'll get into it in the second segment. Yeah, it's uh, the praise song cruncher is to try to grab onto the mystical content of the modern-day praise song. So we ask the question, uh, number one, is Jesus mentioned? That gives you a good idea what's going on. Number two, is it mystical in form? And number three, is it mystical in content? So mystical in form would be sentence fragments, high repetition. So mystical content was is going to be this idea of having the experience of the presence of God. And then, is there law and gospel rightly divided? The law which condemns our sins shows us how to love God and the neighbor. The gospel which forgives our sins and, in fact, gives us love for God and the neighbor. And then the last question is, is there any other false doctrine not in the aforementioned questions that snuck through? Okay. So when we get back from this break, we're going to be taking a look at the song. I think it's called Psalms. Is that right? Songs? I don't know. I got to look this up too. Yeah, uh, from War of Ages. I you can tell I'm just a complete idiot when it comes to uh, all the artists that are out because I don't even know what on this is the War song of title. Ages sounds like an epic kind of name. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Psalms War of Ages. Yeah. So here we go. We'll, we'll take a look at that when we get back from this break. If you want to follow along, you can access the Praise Song Cruncher by going to tabletalkradio.org and click on the Articles tab. And a few few lines down is the Praise Song Cruncher. That right after this, when we get back from uh, this break. Also, send us your praise songs. You can do so by uh, giving us a call, 1-800-385-SOLA, or email it in, questions at tabletalkradio.org.
song? Answer? Yes. <laughs> I just like Table it. Talk Radio, answering the age-old question. If a radio show is broadcasting and no one listens, does it still make a sound? Get the Around the Word devotions delivered to you in a free daily email. You can f sign up for that at whatdoesthismean.org. Click the devotions button. All right, we are back here on Table Talk Radio where everyone's favorite praise song cruncher is found. Probably the one and only praise song cruncher. Are there other praise song crunchers in the world? Yeah. There are. Well, this Always one, duplicated. Yeah. Never right. duplicated. Well, one of the things that How we... How is that supposed to go? Well... Uh, Always ne imitated. Never duplicated. Never duplicated. In this case, frequently Always copied. Always in Australia. Remember when there used to be a uh, theological game show out of Australia? Yeah, that was yeah probably the epitome of us it. doing table talk radio. Hey, epitome! <laughs> nice work. <laughs> I wasn't ready for it, but oh, I heard. It. I almost got it. That by sounds you. like a word that Evan doesn't use. <laughs> yeah, I know. it is, doesn't help that both you and I have a very limited vocabulary. No, no that does not help sneak we, words. We in. use like forty words. I might each. notice. I'm going to give you uh, three hundred and twenty points yes. right there. Well, so, so the praise song cruncher. We're gonna we're getting ready to praise. We're gonna crunch this praise song song. Just give me talking about the synod and, and the word Nimrod ages. will flow. By the way, <laughs> yeah. just naturally. Um, now, I think there's something that is unspoken about the praise song that we haven't really um, acknowledged for the praise song cruncher, and that is the the mood going into the praise song because um, you know there's yeah. sometimes that that a song just starts, but there's sometimes that that the people have really been prepared. A certain mood has taken over the auditorium when this praise song takes place. So you have to picture this. I'm going to I'm going to set the mood for us to start this praise song because okay. um, we're so okay. uh, things are rather tranquil. Uh, people are are close to that days and they're they're ready to have this divine connection with God. So you so right. you, you're kind of opening your heart there. to you're there. Okay. All right, let's begin the praise song. Yeah. This song before is is no one screening what we these call emails? Mute. <laughs> <laughs> what does the email say? Was uh, it a trick? Did we even read it? It was uh, yeah. Pastor Gegline. Here's an interesting praise song for you. I don't know, or I don't know if there's a mega church on Earth that would actually use this in their service. But since oh. the chorus includes "We lift you higher than ever," I'd call it a praise song. Well, thank you, Carl. Uh, oh, he says... Enjoy Carl from Australia? I think... I, he didn't specify. I'm I'm sure he probably is from Australia. He says, enjoy, yeah, no maybe. C Carl with a C is normally Australian spelling. Oh, I see. Okay. Uh, enjoy, Well, I, I think we might have to engage this song mostly by the lyrics. So... <laughs> well, um, let me hear some more. I was just... A, I was My ear... The, the blood was just starting to drip out of my ear <laughs> when you stopped playing it. 
Are you going to read? It's like walking through a thorn bush, an acoustical thorn bush. <laughs> you, are you going to read some of the lyrics or do you want me to? Oh, I was I wanted to hear some more. You See, wanted I, to I'll hear tell you, some why more? Why don't you play it and I'll... Uh, yeah, I want to hear some more. That's if I got the like the instrumental, could you do the vocals? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, here's some more since you want it. Huh. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's I a, mean, I know it's a nice song. Like it. It's a nice song. <laughs> it's like it's like it's got a good melody. You know, we are always looking for more songs to sing to Lily to lure her to sleep at night. Is she <laughs> being laid down into the crib? The daughter's Matheson. I don't. I, <laughs> So how do you dance to that? It's just like, act like you're having an epileptic seizure. How, I don't know. I just don't know how the guys... I mean, I'm sure there's got to be some like like doctor who goes around and treats the guy's vocal cords. Mm. You know? I mean, it's just... seems like an unnatural use of... Remember, all music comes from the Lord, the Luther said. Box. Remember that. Okay, the so what? so let's let's ask some. Well, let's let's read a little bit of this so we can get actually what it's saying. Okay, the, okay. The tide has met the sand, covering footprints left for me. Hope is gone, yet you carry me. You're carrying me. God, my flesh is weak. Oh, it's battling me. It's battling me. I hold no regrets, and yet you wait for me. You know my heart now. If these walls could talk, would they reflect your name? Hmm. I don't know what that means. Hmm. It does seem like the heavy thrash metal praise song bands. Are they're good on original sin? It's like the um, <laughs> you know, it's like the heavy thrash metal and the and the rap. You know, the Christian rappers, which are my favorite. Mm, yeah, are they are because it's like a darker, more aggressive music, and so they go for those darker, more aggressive doctrines, like the demons and the devil and original sin. That's interesting. I mean, yeah. God, give me the strength I need. Light the path through the fear. Let it change your, let it change your heart. Huh? What does that mean? Do, whose heart is being changed? It says, "Let it change your heart," but it's in the midst of a prayer. Let it change the heart of God. I'm, I don't know if this. Hmm, I will not lose sight of you. I will not let this fall through. You were there for me through all the pain I felt. Pain. See, pain is a big theme here. We lift you higher than ever. You are the same, the great I am. We lift you higher than ever. Set my eyes to flames while the weight of the world is holding me back. What is that? Why is... I've never, ever seen a poem about setting somebody's eyes on fire. <laughs> I, I'm still reflecting upon the point you made that these uh, the thrash metal songs have more to talk about sin and pain then I mean you don't have I don't know maybe you do but do do you have heavy thrash metal songs about I don't know a picnic in the park or I mean <laughs> it's I, it's like this rage against uh, everything going on. I have to admit that I don't I'm not very familiar with the genre. I have no idea how anybody can be. It's like ah oh, it's such beautiful poetry. It's like people you know. You remember that old thing when the I mean this doesn't happen anymore but you know the, this joke about uh someone gets caught with a with a 
dirty magazine and they say, I got it for the articles. You see someone listening to this and I, I just listen for the lyrics. <laughs> I don't know. I don't I know mean, how you even have any idea what words are being said. <laughs> All right. So let's look at the cruncher. Is Jesus mentioned? I don't think so. I think, I don't know if you can, oh yeah, there it, it says God there. God, my flesh is weak. Oh, it's battling me. It's battling me. Isn't that interesting? My flesh is weak. It's battling me. So, but now would we say, how, now just look at that interesting line. Because let me read it again. God, my flesh is weak. Oh, it's battling me. It's battling me. If you were worried about your flesh battling you, wouldn't you say, oh, my flesh is strong? Mm, okay. I think, yeah. So my, like I, so I am weak. My flesh is coming up against me. It's there, there's so a you're... fight happening inside of me, but it's not really clear if it's actually my flesh that's being overcome by my flesh or my flesh that's trying to fight the spirit in me. There's not a lot of clarity in these lyrics. We'll we'll dock that when we get to it. Okay. Sorry. Um, what stanza but, was that that you were just reading from? I was reading on the fifth line. If you look at oh yeah, my flesh is weak. Oh, it's battling me. Yeah, it is kind of a contradiction, isn't it? Because I I was thinking that you know we use the word flesh in a certain sense from uh, Paul's writings. Um, that might mean something different, but but. I mean, when he says, my flesh is weak, oh, it's battling me, it's, it's the same thing, whatever, whatever the flesh is, whatever definition and, he wants of flesh he wants to use. Yeah, look at the, the next line, I hold no regrets, and yet you wait for me. Wouldn't that be like, I have a lot of regrets, and yet you wait for me? Because like, <laughs> the Lord waiting for us is an act of grace, and it's, I and have it, no regrets would be his, like this prideful, I've gotten... Well, but maybe his the fact that he doesn't regret the sins that he's done is a. It's like I know I've sinned, but I don't feel bad for it. Is that that? Not <laughs> that is a point that I don't think <laughs> the author intended. <laughs> like I have no regrets, but I know I should have. The regrets, Lord is waiting the, on you to find your regret. <laughs> I'm, I'm confessing my heart. Otherwise, that doesn't make much sense either. You know my heart now. If these walls could talk, would they reflect your name? And I wonder, I wonder, um, in what in what realm his flesh is weak that he's battling if he has no regrets. Like normally, we would say, "My flesh is weak; I fell to the temptation, so therefore I regret the sin that I committed." But this person's saying that the flesh flesh is weak, and I'm I'm in a battle with it, but I have no regrets. Right. That's strange. And then, but then it's like, if these walls could talk, would they re reflect your name? It's like an admission that, like, I'm I'm in here and I'm living, like, I'm not living for God, apparently, because if the walls could talk, they wouldn't, they wouldn't reflect the name of God. But that's also a funny sentence, but that happens a lot in the praise song. It's like they're just trying to make something rhyme, so I'm like, ah, oh, that's what they're doing. But then I'm looking and, like, the whole thing doesn't, there's no rhyming at all. Well, sort of, because... Here's the. Let me just say the last words of each line. Sand, me, 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 me. Now, name. <laughs> There's no rhyming at all. Hmm. I guess the letters are the same. Name <laughs> ends with me. <laughs> um, all right. What about mystical what form? We just have a, about uh, twenty seconds here. Same mystical form. Need beer, heart. You. Yeah, it is. It's mystical in form in the sense that it doesn't make any sense. 
Does that? Ah. It's so it's just kind of tossing up these images around. So that's like the quintessential mystical form. So we're we're gonna be looking at how the the mystic gets lost in the heavy trap thrash song. Yeah. Uh, oh look, here's a line about Jesus. Oh, all right. Go well, to the we, cross. We'll look at that. We get back. My first we'll, we'll do the corrected version. Yeah. Couldn't see because my eyes were fine. For immature audiences only, this is Table Talk Radio. I'm taking some old Luther stuff, pulling it out of the collections and publishing it. You can download it for free or buy them for five bucks. Find it, the Everyone's Luther, at wolfmuller.co. Click on the books at the top of the page. All right, so like filing a correction to your taxes, I think we need the the uh, retraction of a previous said statement for yes, the praise song. Yes, we said Jesus cruncher. wasn't mentioned. Let me just read to you this this uh, little stanza here. Set my eyes to flame while the weight of the world is holding me back. If you don't know what that means, then you and me are together. <laughs> I was going to say. I felt like I could do it myself. Do what? You knew I was wrong, and yet you played it the same. Here we are at the foot of the cross asking. Okay. See? Cross. Foot of the cross. Okay. All right. Asking God to believe. So Jesus what does that is mentioned. Mean? I have. I just have no. I, I don't know. Ah. God, give me the strength I need. Light the path through the fear. So we have, like, a couple of fires here. One is on the path, and one is in my eyes. <laughs> Let it change your heart. I think that is talking about God. We're asking God to change his heart. That's a very interesting theological position there. Even though he has no regrets? Be... What's that? Huh? What? Even though he has no regrets? Well, I mean, see, I, what I what change is necessitated for someone who has no regrets? But I think it's asking God to change his heart. I think he's asking God to repent for the vengeance, which, oh. which is, a, I mean, that's also a very subtle theological thing. You wouldn't. Like, uh, 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 like uh, Moses? Doesn't Moses have yeah, this, ask God to repent? God is, a, is, a, is a strong theme in the Old Testament, but it's, it's a change from law to gospel. So relent from the disaster that you intended. That's the word repent. So we're asking God to relent of his disaster, that, which is what God does on the cross. The, the cross changes the mind of Jesus. I just am not 100% sure that that's actually what's going on in these lyrics. <laughs> what's asking God to change his heart, I think it's actually a typo. <laughs> <laughs> like This is either a really profound theological statement or a typo, and I'm going to go with typo. I think it should be, let it change our heart. But I'm not, I don't, I I don't know. Yeah. I don't have enough sense of what is happening in this, this piece of art. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's look. Keep going here. So you said it was high in mystical form. Uh, what about uh, mystical content? What do you think about this? I am a slave to nothing, nor am I of this world. As we rise to our feet, we walk the narrow road. Hmm. As though uh, you were there for me through all the pain I felt, we lift you higher than ever. What do you think is going on with that, as, as regarding mystical content? Normally, it's like, it's because it's very emotional and internal. 
this is certainly talking about God being there through pain, and there's some emotional sort of content to it in this in this lovely ballad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know if it has the real effect of mysticism, though. Play it. Play a little piece of it again. Okay. So let me know if you're swept you. away. I will I mean, I, I, did you make a connection during those few seconds? I mean, uh, I, don't. I was moved. <laughs> I mean, remember when we interviewed uh, Chris Tomlin and he talked about being drawn into the presence of God? Is that a song that would draw you into the presence of God? Not exactly. <laughs> I just don't know how, like, you don't want to go and, <laughs> I mean, like light something on fire when you're listening to that. <laughs> I, like I mean, your eyes? <laughs> yeah. I'll light my eyes on fire. That sounds like a good idea. All right, let's just let's just push through. Let's just like like a marathon. Okay. You just gotta finish. Uh let's look at law and gospel. There I think there's some confusion in law and gospel. This is interesting, isn't it? Now you yeah. Cause it says I got no regrets. That's what we call pride. It's not law. I have pain. The problem I have let's see what the problems I have. Um I'm weak. My flesh is weak, but it's fighting against me. So I'm even weaker than my weak flesh. The walls don't reflect the name of God. The world is holding me back, and yet I'm a slave of nothing, and I'm not of this world. I felt like I could do it myself. That's pride, and that's confessed as a sin here, I think. Huh. Light the path through fear. I'm afraid. So I, I think if I had to boil down the problem, I think it's that I'm in pain. Yeah. So what's the solution that uh, God is giving me, and God, and the, and the, it's strength. It's all about strength. Mm -hmm. So there's, I mean, hope is so, gone. Yet you carry me. You're carrying me. God is carrying me, but He gives us the strength that we need to rise to our feet and walk the narrow road. Look how the beginning and the end are connected. So at the beginning, I'm, I fell over and God picked me up, and now at the end, He set me up, and my, I'm walking on my own. Hmm. I, I do not think this is probably a good example of the distinction between law and gospel. I'm, 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 I'm really kind of stuck on this where you said Jesus was mentioned. So let me just read that stanza. Uh, this is the line about setting your eyes. So set my eyes to flames where the weight of the world is holding me back. I felt like I could do it myself. You knew I was wrong, and yet you played it the same. Here we are at the foot of the cross asking God to bleed. Um, so uh, so Mike, I was trying to consider what what is the cross for? Like what's the benefit of the cross in this song? And... Um, you, you do have the reference to to blood or that God is bleeding. That's a bit profound there, right? But is it for sin? The line before it is, I knew I was wrong, yet you played it the same. So is this is this an acknowledgement of sin, that, that, that God is bleeding on the cross because of my wrong? Or is the cross a power source uh, for strength that I might not be in pain? Or is the cross almost like a bad thing 
and and it's mm. recognizing we're the cause of it. Mm. See, like we're here, we are doing this thing because we are not even believers. We're like the soldiers or something. Mm. Yeah, that could be. I don't know uh, any false doctrine. <laughs> well, I don't know if it gets to that point. I don't think it's right. I mean, I kind of. I mean, in some ways, you know. I mean, what what would you say? Now, let's let's play this game, Evan. What if the guys who wrote this, the guys from War of Ages. Uh, somehow got a hold of this podcast and they're listening to us talk about their song here. What would what would you want to say to those guys? Because no doubt there's some artistry in its own way here. Maybe something <laughs> that you know you and I just don't appreciate. And but there's a, there's people who might who might enjoy this kind of music and and they are, appreciate the fact that there's Christians who are making this kind of music for them to listen to, so they don't have to listen to like people like the satanic sort of stuff that happens in this genre so so no doubt that that that's going on but what would you so what would you say to the guys if uh they said well what do you guys think we should do well i think a, a good first step is to increase clarity <laughs> so i i realize that w w whether it's a heavy metal song or a poetry um that you're trying to be artistic and poetic and so that does come at the price of clarity sometimes. But if particularly particularly when someone enters the Christian realm, like this is a Christian poem or a Christian heavy metal song, uh, if if the if the Christian is going to set out to engage in the arts, it still has the Christian should still have the desire to communicate something, um, unless you're a full blown mystic. And I think that's the distinction. That's why you have the clarity question in the praise song cruncher, because if you want the person engaging the art to just be overwhelmed by a certain experience so that they would feel God, well, then it doesn't matter what message you actually portray. The message can be entirely subjective. Well, what did you feel? I don't know. What did you feel? I felt God. No, I felt Muhammad. Um, but, but if the Christian is not a like mystic Muhammad, and says, <laughs> I mean, it's completely subjective. Who's, who's to right. say that I didn't feel something, right? But right. If, if you say, look, I'm a Christian, and I want the gospel to be known, and that is through communication, then I have to bring some clarity to whatever art I'm engaging. Now, even if that's a painting, I want it to be clear that this is Jesus being crucified or whatever the message is. And the same goes with a song or a poem that I, I need to be clear that the the reader, the hearer, understands what the problem is, and the problem should be my sin, my transgression before a holy God, and that that punishment for sin has been atoned for in the death and resurrection of Jesus. I mean, that's essential to communicate the gospel in any form of art. So clarity has to be improved. Uh, yeah, I think that's right. And there's lots of themes. I mean, if you like all the bloody, gory kind of stuff, there's plenty of themes to pick up in the scriptures. Like, you have a verse, you know, song about Isaiah says we're worms or whatever, or some sort of meditation on Jesus in the grave and coming up out of the grave. And, um, yeah, I mean, there's, so there's plenty of biblical themes to catch up on. So, anyway. Yep. All right. Well, when we get I back, I think this song is crunched. Yeah, crunch for what reason? Uh, all of the above. <laughs> all right. When we get back from this break, we're going to be looking at a couple more emails. Oh yes, the emails. We just uh, twelve more minutes of table talk radio left, but don't you worry. Can make it. 
Yeah. Hang in there. Uh, but we do want to hear from our listeners. We want to know what you think of the show. Uh, if you have any comments or questions about anything that we discussed, we'd love to put that in our long list of emails to respond to. You can email us questions at tabletalkradio.org. But really, the way to get on the show is by calling in because for some reason, audio is better for radio. So give us a call. Leave a voice message for us. The number is one 800 385 SOLA. 1 800 385 7652. Leave us a message and we'll play it on the air and respond to it. That's the way to do it. All right, one more segment of Table Talk Radio coming your way right after this. Table Talk Radio, where the voice crying in the wilderness is the listener. Hey, daily devotions for your family. Around the Word is found at whatdoesthismean.org. All right, looking at the emails, questions at tabletalkradio.org. This one is entitled, I Kick the Child. Oh, look at this one. Oh, I Kick the Child I by Brian. Good eye, mates. Look at this. Good eye, mates. Good eye, mates. See, oh, it's got to be from, from this Australia. This one might be from Alabama, maybe. Good eye. Do they say good eye, mates, down in Alabama? I'm sure they do. <laughs> Pastors, wondering if you would be so kind to play Comfort the Child, Kick the Dog for me. Dude, this is going to be a good one. I was talking to a close friend who is gay. He told me that the way he knows it is acceptable for him to act on this is from Genesis 20, verses 1 to 6. Confused, I asked for clarification, to which he responded, God stopped Abimelech, even though he was acting if the integrity of his heart, since this is the integrity of my heart, if uh, if it was a son, God would come and tell me. Could the experts show me how to comfort the child and just for com- fun, kick the dog as it's needed? Good day, mates. Hmm. Braun. What do you want to do? So, uh, <laughs> I don't know. You pick. Uh, well, Why don't you start responding, <laughs> and then we'll decide if you're comforting or kicking, and then I'll do okay, the Okay, that sounds good. I don't know that I'm doing one or the other, but uh, but I think... Now, here's, so here's the story. So Genesis 20, from there Abraham journeyed toward the territory of Negev and lived between Kedesh and Shur. He was a sojourner in Gerar. Abraham said to Sarah's wife, she's my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, you are a dead man because the woman who you have taken, for she is a man's wife. Now Abimelech had not approached her. So he said, Lord, will you kill an innocent people? Did he not himself say to me, she is my sister? And she herself said, he is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands, I have done this. Then God said to him in the dream, Yes, I know that you have done this in the integrity of your heart. And it was I who kept you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. So I think the argument is, if we act with integrity, God will prevent us from sinning. Mm. So that everything we do with a, quote, integrity of heart, we then can classify as sinless. Sinless. Okay. So the question is going to be... Um, how do you know that you're acting with integrity of heart? Uh, and see, this is this is part of the assumption that says um, that I know that my intentions are pure. But if we would actually look at the scriptures, the scriptures would teach us that born into sin, that we don't even identify our own sin. Um, so 
uh, I mean, ironically, I was going to go to Romans chapter 1 to talk about this issue, but let's let's look at uh, this passage from Romans chapter 3. There is none righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they become worthless. No one is good, not even one. It goes on. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of the asp is under their lips. Um, and so on and so forth. So, so the assumption is, is that I know that I have the best of intentions, and so therefore I am sinless. But this is why we have the scriptures. The scriptures reveal to us that which we would not know just by looking at our own belly button. <laughs> that we would that we would realize that God comes with a word that says, even though you might think your intentions are pure, and even though that you might think your desire is sinless. Um, I'm here to show you that your desires affected by sin are contrary to the will of God. That's why we need the scriptures. So so, um, so you go to an alcoholic, and an alcoholic says, oh, I just want another drink. That is the purest desire of my heart. And then someone has to come along and say, hey, look, that drink is harming you. It, it, is, it is something bad to, to seek another drink. So just one's desire is not show purity. So uh, I, and I want to approach this just real quickly, and I want to give you time to, to jump in here too. That, um, this, this really comes down to the, the way that we understand the scriptures. Now, one of the things that we talk about a lot is a distinction between eisegesis, exegesis. So when we, when we come to the scriptures, we want to have an objective understanding of what the scriptures actually say. That's exegesis. You're drawing out of the scriptures. Eisegesis is when you put into the scriptures a meaning, and for someone then who is looking for a rationale, a reason to justify their attraction as something justifiable before God, might just start reading at Genesis 1 and trying to find something that would work until they get to uh, chapter 20, and they say, aha, here is an example of someone who's uh, about to do something that is uh, not good, but it talks about the integrity of the heart. That is me. That is my situation. But in order to do that, you have to ignore the clear passages of Scripture that that condemn homosexuality. Uh, so that uh, so that, that that Romans chapter one says uh, that God gave them up for dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations with those that are contrary to nature, and the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. Now there, you have a passage that is irrefutably talking about homosexuality. Or you have a passage from Genesis 20 that is not directly talking about anything about homosexuality, but you can make it say something to justify your actions. The question is, if we're drawing the meaning out of Scripture, which is going to guide us the way we live on this particular topic, it would have to be Romans chapter 1, because that is what's clearly addressing, not Genesis chapter 20. I don't know if you were kicking the dog or consoling the child. I think you did some of both in there. Well, I think I, I think this is why this is difficult. Usually the distinction that we make with kick the dog, come for the child, is a teacher who is misleading people, we want to, we want to kick the dog. Uh, someone who's been misguided by false teaching, we want to comfort the child. But when someone is in sin, that we do have to show them with a level of rebuke that their sin is wrong. Now, that that doesn't mean that we're kicking the dog, but even comforting the child comes at a bit of a, a harshness to it sometimes, or at least mm -hmm. a sounding harshness to it. But it, it, mm -hmm. is, it is a loving admonition. Right. 
it is a thing where someone says, look, I would know, I would know right and wrong in my heart. My conscience would tell me right or wrong. And because this doesn't feel wrong, it must be right. Um, it, it just, it doesn't acknowledge the fact that we can, hmm, that we can harden the conscience. Mm. <laughs> so, uh, you know, one of the th one of the reasons that Abimelech doesn't get in trouble is because he acted in the integrity of his heart, and also he didn't touch Sarah. <laughs> you know, I mean, right. the Lord prevented him from actually sinning, but the, he knew that the law was, "You shall not commit adultery." Um, so that's still, so that stands still that when when we when our conscience does not convict us, we have one who's greater than our heart. That we, we so there's lots of times where we have to talk to people and say, "Hey, remember." how you don't feel bad about that sin, well, that's because you've broken your conscience. So now you can't trust the conscience. You have to trust God's law. Uh, but right. it's a da very dangerous place to set the conscience against God's law. That's that's really asking for it. Right, and I think that's a great point. So that, um, is it possible that your conscience is broken, that you've lost the ability? It's like It's like having a compass that doesn't point north anymore. Uh, now what are you going to do? Well, now you have to look to something outside of just what you hold in your hand. Um, so so that, that the question would be, okay, uh, in this passage you have one who's acting with integrity of heart. Are you acting with integrity of heart? And how could we know that? And this, this is not just a matter of one's uh, subjective intention. We could now look, again, outside of ourselves to say, all right, do, do, do my intentions purport with what God says is godly, right? And and and, 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 I, and uh, do I have an integrity of heart when I read those passages that uh, that you mentioned earlier that address that particular sin that I want to commit? Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, where is the integrity of my heart then? Uh, and right. then it starts to show up that, that really this is just a game. You know, I'm looking for I'm 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 going about that typical human thing which we all engage in in one way or another, which is trying to to justify those things that I love to do. Right. Um, now, the, 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 the big, and I don't know if this is cultural or maybe it's just plain old sin, but, but the big danger in this um, is that, that we're given to defend our sin. Now, uh, if, if, uh, if I caught Pastor Wolfmiller stealing from the offering plate, and I said, hey, you can't do that. That's wrong. Um, his choice at this juncture is to either, because there's no question, he's he's got his hand in the offering box. And that, that, that's not refutable. Now the question is, is Pastor Wolfner going to say, oh, you're right, what I was doing was wrong? Or is he going to defend that taking from the offering plate is justifiable? And to say, uh, look, um, I read in in numbers that the priest is supposed to, or whatever, you know, uh, or are you just going to say, you're right, I was wrong? Now, see, what we're saying here is that for someone who struggles with same-sex attraction, um, it's, it, that person's either going to go to a passage of the Bible and say, this is okay because X, Y, Z, or to simply say, I was wrong. And for the person who says, look, I realize that this attraction is not godly, it is not something that is pleasing to the Lord, and I, and I, hate, I hate that I have this attraction— well, goodness gracious, that's that's any other sinner. That's that's everyone. That's every sinner who says, I, a poor, miserable sinner, deserve nothing but temporal and eternal uh, punishment. And to that sinner, the Lord has promised grace and mercy and 
eternal salvation. And that that is repentance. That is what our Lord has brought us. I'll yeah. give you the last word about 20 seconds, Pastor. No, there is a danger. We think the devil wants us to think if I if we confess our sins, God will condemn us. But condemnation comes from hiding our sin. We confess the, our sins. The Lord is there with his mercy and kindness. Oh, beautiful. Well, that's all the time we have. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Uh, you and Nimrod. What? That doesn't make any sense. One Table Talk. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Table Talk Radio is not for everyone. Please consult your pastor before listening to Table Talk Radio. Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, headache, heartburn, hair loss, hallucinations, and aversion to incomplete sentences with aquatic imagery, psychosis, coma, death, halitosis, lung cancer, brain tumors, sleep gain, internal bleeding, internal combustion, a sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to fight the capitalists on Twitter, and falling off your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org.